This message was brought to you by Christian Service. to the Fancy Files podcast. It is the greatest underground podcast that you're never going to listen to. And if you are listening to it, it's no longer underground. <laughs> Today, we have a fantastic show for you, or podcast. It is a podcast, not a show yet. Maybe one day it will be a show. But until that day comes, this is what you get. So I am your host, Greg Descott, and I have today with me an excellent panel of co-hosts. First, to my right... And your left, I don't know, on the radio dial how this works. I got my man, Mr. Mickey. Mick, how are you? Howdy. I'm doing mighty fine. Mighty fine? Mighty fine. Really? Yes. Excellent. Thank you. You're looking good today, too. Thanks. Same. Oh. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Usually I'm, I'm used to just, you know, telling Mickey looks good. I'm in a compliment mood today. Oh, really? So. I would ask if you're rejoiced. But I feel like we've overkilled it. We've overkilled so it. So we're going to bury it. We will no longer ask Mick for now. And who knows? Maybe someday we'll have to dig up. Maybe we'll, we'll, we'll dig it up. Yes. Uh, so not only do I have Mick, but I have the power couple team, the greatest tag team duo in the history of Christian Service Wrestling Championship. I give you the Roby Arts. First, Mr. Ezra Soros Rex. Ezra, how are you? I'm doing fine. Yourself? Oh, I'm great, and you're looking mighty fine, my friend. Thank you. And we also have Robino. Hi. How are you? I'm doing good. I would ask you if you were in and out of the flow, but I feel we've overkilled that one, too. Okay. So for now, we will assume you've reached the conclusion of what that was. Yep. And now you're living it. I'm living it. Now, for all of you listening out there, you probably assume that's it. That is our list of panelists. You are incorrect. Wrong. We actually have one of our faithful fancy filelights. Can I say fancy filelights to regarding the listeners? Yeah, that sounds just about right. Yeah, even though even if they said no, I'd still do it. So we have today as our co-host, and not only for today, but hopefully going forward, we have the Melanie. Melanie, welcome to the pot the Fancy File Podcast. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Good. So oh, and, and, and we know that you like to listen to it because we've seen you respond. Yes. And I also like your videos. Oh, excellent. And I'm trying to think, <laughs> what videos? <laughs> well, they're videos because they're posted on YouTube. Right. Right? Somebody is posting videos. It's not me. Whoever at the table is doing that, congratulations. It was the little skits that Mick used to do. Right. I remember seeing a video where you chucked yourself down the stairs. Did that one make it? Into the list. I think it did. The, the only thing is, that was uh, just coincidental. I do that for pleasure. <laughs> so maybe one day we, on the Fancy Files, can have like a recording of you chucking yourself down the stairs. And we can use that. If, you know. Sure. The Prime Minister does it, so we can do it too. <laughs> Zing! Oh, here comes the she-covery. All right. 
So today <laughs> we are continuing in a series that we started a little while back. We are actually going through, uh, well, we started a new series after we finished the anxiety um, regarding salvation. Uh, so we are not at the location we were the last time. Boo, I know. Everyone get back, get back. Calm down. Okay. <laughs> I didn't say anything. No, not you guys. <laughs> the people. You know, the people who are going. They're out there. Uh, so we started a series on salvation, and we have done two podcasts on that so far. And we don't know if we we're going to do one more or two more. We'll see how this one goes. So, well, we like I said, we started one on salvation. And the first uh, study we did or podcast we did on it uh, was regarding why we need to be saved. And I think we explained it quite well in the best way we could regarding our sinful nature and how that needs to be dealt with. And then in our second one, we talked about who does the saving, mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. We uplift the gospel and we talk about the cross. Now on this one, so we know why we need to be saved, how we're saved, and now we are going to talk about evidence of salvation. Because you are going to have some people, and this is what they're going to say. They're going to go, oh, I'm saved. That's it. I got my, I got my ticket. I got my passport to heaven. I got my shot. I don't, I don't need to do anything else. I'm just going to sit back, kick up, and enjoy the ride. And, and unfortunately, uh, I think that you will have people within the world that will have the idea that that's all there is to it. You just, it's just like some type of flu shot. Now, to be fair, the reason why you have people thinking that way is because at times how the gospel is presented. Just come and get your flu shot. Come and do this. Come and say the prayer. And I don't exactly like to refer to it as some, like, flu shot because it's kind of like, well, you know, it's like you were walking along and then you got this, like, sin virus out of nowhere, and now I need the cure. Uh, you were born with this, and I don't even like to use virus, but we'll just say virus. You were born with it, and it affects everything, everywhere. It's not pretty. And then the more, and then as you get older, it shows up even more. And it becomes worse and worse and all the symptoms and on and on and on. So, it's a lot deeper than just getting some type of shot. Uh, when Jesus does a work in your life, there is going to be a change. There is going to be a noticeable difference Okay, now before we get into that, I would like to ask Mick to read some verses for us today. So Ephesians chapter 2, read 8, 9, and 10. Perfect. So for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Amen. Thank you. How did you feel about reading that? I felt great. This is the Word of God, the greatest book in the world. Amen. You looked really happy reading it, too. I know. I feel like I need to get another picture of him. We're not going to do that this time. I see someone's going, oh, get my home. We did it the last time. We put a picture of him up. And for those of you who watched the podcast, we'll see what we saw, which was amazing, by the way. Okay. So, I think a lot of people, when they read... Ephesians 2, they'll read 8 and 9, and they won't read verse 10. 
And I think at times the way the gospel can be presented is we focus on 8 and 9. And obviously, we need to read 8 and 9. Because if you don't know how to be saved, then verse 10 will not make any sense to you. And in reality, I mean, that's Jesus came. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And John chapter 1, verse 29 says, the work he came to do, to destroy the works of Satan and to deliver and to purchase himself a bride and to deliver his people. Amen. That's great. That's wonderful. And then it's like, well, how, how does that happen? Well, we talked about that. It's by grace. It's not something we earn. It's not something we do. And how do we receive it? Through faith. That's it. Through faith. And some people, faith, it's like, well, what does faith mean? You believe it. Someone will come and present the gospel to you, and you'll hear the message, and then you respond. Do you believe in this? Yes or no? I know it's a little deeper than that, but we'll just shorten it up there. And if you don't believe it, you're not saved. And if you do believe it, and you accept what Christ did for you, you accept that you're a sinner, you recognize that you've offended God, God will save you if you put your faith in Jesus Christ and what he did at the cross. Verse 9 says, not of works, lest any man should boast. And we talked about that in the last podcast, that it's not something, again, we do. It's not something. It's not some religious work. Uh, it's not something that we can add to. If there, Even if it was 99% Jesus and 1% you, that will not work. That is not a sufficient gospel. The gospel in and of itself is sufficient to save. Okay. Now, I want to read, before we get into this, and I turn to the panelists, my panelists here. They're all looking very good today, by the way. I feel, like, so out of place with them. Thanks. You're welcome. I was supposed to say, no, you look great, too. No, <laughs> you're not. <laughs> okay, um, I want to read from, where is the verse? Uh, it is Second Corinthians chapter 5. Now, I must warn everybody. I'm reading from the King James. So just It's all hold, good. We forgive you. Hold on tight. All right. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ. So again, Second Corinthians five or seventeen. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature or creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Now, it's important that we read that verse because unfortunately within Christianity, the way the gospel is presented, and by the way, as I'm just my panelists, if any of you want to jump on in, just, just let me know. As the gospel is presented, at times it could be a message on like how to have a really cool garden and then somehow at the end, come and accept Jesus. You know, it's just really weird. Like, it has nothing to do with sin. It has nothing to do with repentance. You know, Jesus Christ really isn't presented uh, in his work, that in his sinless life, uh, in the cross, in the resurrection. It's not presented. But then just come and say this prayer and be born again. Um, and, and even in situations where you do have, uh, you know, at Crusades, a preacher who gets up, what well, we can say Billy Graham, who preaches the gospel and invites people to come forward and people come forward. And I do believe people are getting saved. 
but you do have a lot of people who aren't getting saved. Uh, but will repeat a prayer. And because they just repeated a prayer, they think, oh, I'm saved. I believed. Okay, how does one know? And the reason I look at this verse is that in 2 Corinthians, and it goes with what we're going to read and talk about in verse 10, if you have become a Christian, something has taken place in your life that has dramatically changed you. Dramatically changed your heart and life. So you can't come away from that. Oh, I got saved. Or I said the prayer. I heard the message about the garden. And then you continue on in your life as if, you know, it's business as usual. There will be a change. Yeah, I just wanted to say something about that because... In the past, I thought that it was the prayer that, that saved me. So um, I would pray that prayer over and over again. And every time I would go to church, they would, they would do like an altar call. And I would pray that prayer because I thought I had to keep praying it because I didn't have assurance of my salvation. So I think it's really important that you're pointing that out because you need to know that it's not your own doing, that it's not the prayer that saves you. So I think... A lot of time preachers, they I don't think they have a bad intention, but they have to specify it. It's not the prayer that saves. It's your faith in Jesus, and there's nothing that you can do to earn your salvation. And so that was very damaging for me, and I'm not blaming anyone. And I understood that years and years later. But uh, I just wanted to point that out because I find it's a really good point you're making. Yeah, I think one of the things with that saying a prayer and, you know, say a prayer, be saved kind of thing. Um, there's the whole historical context behind it where you'd have these massive, not necessarily crusades, but just massive like conversions. And it's like as a single pastor or whatever, you don't have the time or the energy really to go down and pray for 500 people and be like, especially when it's genuine conversion. So, I have no problems thinking that at some point in time and at some moments in time, even today, it is very appropriate to have like kind of this prayer type altar, altar call. But man, it can be so easy to be deceived and to think that you've kind of figured it out. But on the plus side, all, well, plus side, a lot of these false conversions eventually kind of stop going to church stop doing those things because there's no real point because there's no real faith behind it yeah and now i can hear some people listening to this and saying whoa 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 wait a second you guys seem to be coming out against the sinner's prayer mm -hmm. uh didn't the word of god say you know who calls upon the name of the lord shall be saved absolutely we're not saying that you cannot pray in order to be saved. Obviously, there is praying involved when you are believing in the Lord. The Bible talks about that salvation, that those who confess the Lord Jesus and believe in their hearts that God raised him from the dead shall be saved. So there is a confession that is, is, that is taking place there. What the problem is, is people who are being basically told you're saved because you said this, and they're putting their faith not in what Christ did at Calvary, as you guys were talking about, but in their own profession. Mm -hmm. 
their assurance is basically I wrote down in the back of my Bible on this day I said the prayer and if ever I'm doubting I go back to that point and I look at it and there's my assurance. It's not the Holy Ghost giving you assurance. It's not the fact that Christ did a work that gives you assurance. It's all about what you said. No, exactly. And I think the problem is just that the emphasis in this passage is on the faith part, right? It's not about what you're saying. It's not about what you're professing. It's about your faith. What are you putting your faith in? That's what's saving you, mm -hmm. right? You're putting your faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus, not in, oh, I said this prayer and that's the magic words that, uh, you know, it, it's the salvation spell. I just say the magic words and, and now I'm going to heaven. It, no, that's not how that works. It's by faith. So what are you putting your faith in? Who are you putting your faith in? If it's just the prayer, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, exactly. What are you putting your faith in now as we're looking at this verse because again you have a lot of christians who stop at eight and nine but then they actually won't go to verse 10 or they'll ignore second corinthians 5 17 and everything else in the new testament written regarding what a christian looks like i know this makes people uncomfortable because then they're like oh what your your teaching works no we're not teaching works what we're going to be teaching, this is what the Bible teaches, is that a person who becomes a genuine born-again Christian, and by the way, if you're a Christian, you're born again. If you're a Christian, you're born again. You cannot say, I'm a Christian going to heaven and I'm not born again. Because this is a biblical word that Jesus himself used, not only Jesus, but other places in the Bible. Peter talks about being born of God. Uh, John talks about being born of God. The Bible talks about being converted. The Bible talks about the work of regeneration. It's all one and the same event. The moment you get saved, this is what happens. The Holy Spirit comes and indwells within your heart and in your life, the spirit that, that puts that cry in you, Abba, Father. Mm -hmm. You know at that moment that God is your Father. Mm -hmm. Okay, The cry of the Holy Spirit is there. Then the Holy Spirit begins to work within you, changes the way you think, changes the way you speak. It, then that will influence, change your heart. The Bible, we read how old things have passed away. Your relationship with sin will change. The thing that you once did that you loved, oh, getting wasted, going out with my buddies, and it was party time, I loved it. You're not going to love that thing anymore. There might still be a drawing in the flesh, a temptation, but if deep in your heart there's like, I would rather have that than Jesus, there's a problem. Oh, but I, I used to love going out and getting high. That is going to change. Oh, I used to love going out and visiting the prostitutes. That is going to change. The Holy Spirit will then put the desire within you to stop. It will put new desires. I remember when I actually got saved. Now, if you would have asked 13-year-old Gregor, you say, I would have said, yes, I'm, sa I'm saved. But I had a high-pitched squeak of a voice back then. <laughs> but then as time went on, I mean, I never read my Bible. There was no relationship. with I prayed out of ritual. It meant nothing. But then when I got saved at 19, instantaneously there was a change. I knew it the moment it happened. 
Like that old song. I, well, I think Johnny Cash used to sing it. I was there when it happened, so I guess I ought to know. Yeah, I was there when it happened. I remember the moment. Maybe the day is confused. There's like one or two days I'm sure it happened on. I, I know the month. I know the year. It's not like, well, I don't know when it happened. Okay, if it happened when you were, when you were younger, that's different. But when you are like a teenager or you're an adult and you've been living a life of sin and then the change takes place, you will know. I remember the first time I actually prayed. And I was camping when this happened. And I was getting changed in a shower stall and I started to pray. And it was real. Like I, for the first time in my life, I actually knew I was talking to God. There was an awareness now that when I was talking to God, he was listening to me. And even though that prayer was like, I don't know, five, six minutes, but oh man, that was amazing. That was like, wow, I talked to God and he listened to me. He heard me. Like that awareness changed. Now, wh wh why did that happen? Did I just one day wake up and decided, you know, today's the day that I'm going to recognize that God uh, is listening to me. No. No. Because a couple of days before I was in a bar having fun with my buddies, and then Jesus did a work. He did a work in me. And then that change took place. Yeah, essentially, we're not saying, you know, we're not preaching that it's about works, except the work of Christ himself but that it is actually about fruit. It's about the result of that conversion, which will lead to, to works, which we will be, I guess, going into. But it's that idea that when you are saved, there is fruit. Bingo. Now, this process that God begins in us, where the Holy Spirit goes to work in us, because when we become a Christian, when we get saved, born again, we start to become like Jesus. Okay, this is the fruit. This is the evidence. We have to know. How does one know they're a Christian? Right, because we talk about the whole, like, people with assurance and, and, and how they would go back. You know, how do I know I was a Christian? Well, I said the prayer, and I go back in my Bible, and I look at it. And then, Melanie, you're talking about how you have to say the prayer over and over again. You, there was, like, no assurance at all in that. But how does a Christian know? How can somebody know that they've been saved? Well, in the Bible, we, we, it talks about how the Holy Spirit goes to work with us and does a work of sanctification. Now, there's whole different levels of that. There's when you get saved, you are sanctified and set apart for God. And then there's the whole process in your life where the Holy Spirit works on you into the day you were called home to be with Jesus. And then there's the final sanctification, which takes place either when you, you know, at the resurrection, when we're all going to be made like Jesus. Now, for my panelists today, sanctification. What does that mean? Well, I heard Paul Washer say <laughs> that when you recognize you need Christ, that's a form of sanctification. So when you're in a time of weakness and you realize, God, I can't do this on my own. I need you. That's a fruit of sanctification. So that's one way it can manifest in your life. Well, sanctification is the process of being made like Christ. Like some people mistake salvation and sanctification as being the same, but it's it's really not. Like salvation is the one-time process where God says, I've saved you, you are now mine. But sanctification is the daily process of walking with Christ and learning to be more like him and allowing 
the Holy Spirit to change your heart and change your desires to be more like him steadily over time until, you know, the day we die and go see Christ or we get raptured and then we are made completely like him. But sanctification, I guess, simply in one sentence is just the process through which the Holy Spirit changes his people to be like Christ. Well, I think that, so when it comes to sanctification, because it is, like Ezra said, there there is the part of sanctification or salvation that it is like a one and done thing. But the Bible also does teach that kind of a threefold kind of sanctification or salvation in the sense that you are saved, you are being saved, and you will be saved. And so uh, you are saved, so you are set apart That in that moment the righteousness of Christ is upon you and you are considered uh, righteous in the eyes of God. And then after that, you are being saved, so you are being sanctified, you are being set apart cont- like all the time as you walk in Christ, and then ultimately we will be glorified. Mm-hmm. We will receive new bodies, uh, you know, and so made fully holy, not just in title, but in, in person, and I think that's a great promise that we have. I cannot wait for the day to get a new body. <laughs> <laughs> get rid of this one. All right. I don't know how you guys would feel about answering this because this is more like when you start asking or like sharing your testimony, some people are like, uh, I don't know. But so I'll leave it up to you guys. When God f- did that first work of salvation, did you guys notice right away there was a difference? And what did that look like for you? I can remember when I was like around 10 years old where we were asked to do the prayer on a Sunday and I didn't really understand what was going on but you know I went to Sunday school time and I knew that God was real so I said the prayer and then you know years had passed and then stuff had happened in my life where I just recognized that I needed saving like I needed God bad and um, I think I was around like 16 at the time and um, once that I had become saved like I was now living for God um, I had noticed such a change in my personality before that I didn't really care about people in general like I was typically all about me As a teenager, I'd be, like, very self-centered and selfish. But as I grew with God, I noticed that I started to care about people more. And I, I recognized that he cared about people, like human beings. And because he cared about them, I wanted to care about them, too. Amen. Well... Uh, without getting into any details really of my testimony like I, I know for me there was an immediate change on certain aspects so like I got saved and many addictions that I had were done with so for me that was like a miraculous kind of like one and done 
uh, event, but um, as much as it was a great thing in my life, it, you know, I, I can't use that or people can't use that kind of an event to downplay their salvific event. Uh, so people sometimes will think that, well, God didn't save me from drugs or alcohol uh, or from an abusive home or from, like, uh, self-harm. And because it's not that dramatic, it doesn't count as much. But I think that ultimately we need to remember that uh, we're all unworthy sinners and that any time someone is saved, then that is just as valid. Yeah. No, exactly, and I, I can speak to... Uh to what Mick was saying there, uh, I, I grew up as a pastor's child. Everything around me was Christian all the time. You know, what? Christian cartoons, Christian music, Christian dinner times. Everything was Christian all the time. And so I, I can still testify to the point where I was saved, not because, oh, I, I stopped doing drugs, and oh, not because, you know, I stopped, like, cursing like a sailor, but... Because I, I could feel a, a, a bigger desire in my heart to pray, to serve, and to study the word. Mm-hmm. So, no, I, I didn't have addictions that were immediately silenced or sinful behavior that was immediately corrected and distasteful to me. But it was definitely like, no, I, I know I have a deeper desire to serve. I have a deeper desire to care about this Bible study that's constantly being done in my home. I, I have a deeper desire to commune with God. And so I, I fully agree that, no, like you don't have to have a super intense uh, conversion story to know that your salvation is meaningful or is valid. So I'm going to tell you guys my testimony. I'm going to try to make it short and sweet. Um, so when I was 10, I... Um, I heard the gospel, but I, I felt like I heard it a few times before that, but that time it really impacted me. And um, I really understood for the first time that Jesus died for me and that I was a sinner. And I just felt his love. And I was like, wow, I really need him. And so I was just crying. And I was like, I can't believe that someone like this perfect being died for me, a sinner, you know? Um, but after that, like my life, I don't think it changed like right away. But God was, like, helping me through um, tough times, like, through bullying in high school and all that. But throughout, like, my high school career, I was mostly, like, I thought I was a good Christian girl because I didn't sleep around. I didn't kiss boys. I didn't have a boyfriend. I obeyed my parents. And so I thought that that was what being a Christian was all about. And God was still sanctifying me through that, even though I didn't understand fully the gospel I guess and when I was around 17 I started reading the bible and then when I was in in college I had even more hunger and thirst for the bible and because I loved Jesus and because I loved the truth he was still sanctifying me but eventually in like 2019 I saw the documentary American gospel and I really understood the gospel and I understood that it wasn't about works that it was about grace through faith and that it had nothing to do with me. It had nothing to do with me being a good Christian girl because there's nothing that I could have done to save myself. So it's really at that moment that God gave me discernment. He gave me even more of a desire to read his word, even more of a desire to pray 
Um, he led me to not listen to secular music. He led me to doing all these things that just came as like an overflow of, of, I guess, the revival I had experienced. So, And he also gave me the desire to do evangelism. And there's just all these things that are coming out of that. So I'm really thankful. Amen. You know, for me, and I, and I shared, you know, I got saved at a campsite. When I came back, all my friends, I didn't have any Christian friends at the time. The last time my friends had seen me was I was in a bar. I don't need to say what condition I was in. Some of you can figure that out. So then they see me leave. There he goes. And then I come back. And they were all in front of my friend's house. And I went up to them. And I just started sharing with them about Christ and what God had done in me. And you should have seen the look in their faces. They all stopped. They were like, what the heck happened to you? Where did you go? You know, and 